If you work in marketing long enough, you certainly have some stories. Some horror stories, some success stories, and just some straight up weird stories. Today, our guest Moira Vetter talks us through her career in marketing and what led her up to winning her Lifetime Achievement Award at the AMA Marketing Awards. All that and more today on the Marketing Mad Men Podcast. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Mad Men with Nick Constantino and Trip Joe. Happy Saturday and welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. Nick Constantino here and we have a frequent contributor uh, and now host of her own podcast on the Marketing Mad Men Network, Mrs. Moravetta. Mora, how you doing? Thank you so much. I'm great today. Well, um, so we talked about this previously, but I was lucky enough to be in attendance when Moira won her uh, Atlanta Market of the Year Award for Lifetime Achievement. And, uh, you know, that's the big one. It There's is no other that said one. it. She had the speech planned for it, too. She got the longest time, uh, no music with the hook to pull her off. That's how good she did with her speech. Um, so I thought a good thing to talk about today would be things I've learned over my Lifetime Achievement Award-winning mm-hmm. career. Uh, so we're going to go over a couple things. We're going to go through this. And what's most important to understand is, is that these are accumulation of knowledge over time. They probably change. There's things you probably yep. learn and you revise later. Um, so it's going to be fun to go through this. I'm going to put my two cents in where I can because God knows I can't do it. Uh, I can't do it without doing it. So uh, let's get let's hit it. So let's start with content. Yep. So very vague here. Um, you know, content has changed a lot. It's cheaper to produce. I remember the days in the late 90s even when we to, to edit a video, you needed $30,000 cameras and $20,000 computer equipment, specialized stuff. Now, I mean, the content people are putting out with just a phone is unbelievable. Yep. Um, the attention span has changed and so everyone wants the short bursts of content versus long form. Um, so let's start with this. Let's start with the number one thing you've learned over that lifetime achievement award winning career. Talk about content. <laughs> Well, you know, we all know that content is king, right? I mean, everybody talks about it. Um, Content is king and sauce is boss. I was taught that a long time ago. Exactly. I don't know who's queen. But, uh, you know, I think that with content, everybody thinks they need it. Everyone's producing it. Um, Like anything, everybody then becomes an expert. So, you know, it it becomes hard to really uh, refine content. And, you know, I think that most people think that generating content is about telling your story, right? Everybody talks about storytelling, right? We need a narrative and we need the story. Um, But that assumes that you're supposed to be talking about yourself, right? It's like a bad relationship, right? You go on a date and all I do is talk about myself all night and I don't ask anything about the person. And so I think that from my whole career, yes, everybody needs more stuff, more stories, more content, more words, more pictures. But stop talking about yourself and all of it and start asking about your audience, talking about your audience. Tell her how great her dress looks. You know, uh, that that's what's missing from yeah. most people's content. And that's universal. You know, a lot of the things that we're going to talk about. And it's funny, like, what have you learned in all these years? A lot of the problems that everybody has today are the exact same problems people had 35 years ago. So, I and I think know. the fundamentals of marketing hasn't changed in that period either. No. When I say fundamentals, the, the tactics and some yeah. of the things have changed, but the fundamentals have yeah. really not changed. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, one thing that's absolutely changed is the uh, everything has to be shorter, right? Yeah. There's attention spans have eroded, you know, uh, and people are, you know, uh, assaulted by information from all sides. So, Everything has to be shorter, but all these fundamentals are still things that, you know, when you think about bringing up the next generation of marketers, 
they don't know all these things. They don't yep. know things about um, how to make content riveting. And the way you do that is you you bring the audience in and you talk about them, not you. And I think it's even harder for this generation because they're a work-from-home generation. They're not as big of a social interaction generation. And the only way you can tell if your content works or not is the look mm-hmm. on someone's face when you're saying it to them. Yep. And if, if you're looking at someone and they're like that yep. and you can't adjust, yep. and you can't do that on the computer because yep. you can always have that face on. Or you can go off on a Zoom and yep. be like, oh, my God, this is all, yep. you know, you can do all that stuff. Yep. So um, I would say that as far as advice goes, I think that that is fantastic advice for content. But if you're just starting, you're not there yet. Don't right. think about that. Just right. make it and get the reps. Right. Get it out there. Learn how to edit yourself. Learn how to yep. make the – because it's very hard to think about somebody else while you're making content the first time. you got to get in exactly. your rhythm. you got to get your cadence. Yep. Um, the other thing I would say is something I found personally, it is okay to dumb it down. Oh, totally. You don't want to speak down to no. people because I've, I confuse the two. I don't, I don't try. I don't want to speak down to people. But when you get too technical, you lose people and, yep. and you, you lose the mass audience. Content is not supposed to be in most situations for the niche. It's supposed to be a way to introduce yourself to everybody. Right. So if you start with a very high level, you're going to place out half the people that may be interested, but they won't be because you've already lost them. Uh, also, you know, I think one way is to say dumb it down. Another thing is to break it into bite sized pieces. Right. Everybody trying to tell too much to all the people in one vehicle or in one shot and you need lots and lots and lots of little pieces of things talking to many different kinds of people and that helps you with your content too because now you have multiple versions if they like one they're going to go back to the other as opposed to that one flash in the pan Um, and again that's the difference between long form content and short form content there has to be different strategies ultimately i've always been taught use your short form to guide someone to long form because while short form content is important if there's no call to action or mechanism for that to matter then why are you doing it so if it's to get to a website that's one thing a youtube channel so um i think that's really good advice let's switch gears a little bit here kind of fits um you could have the best content in the world uh, what about user experience? Let's yeah. t- let's talk the Disney model. You know they have the best content in the world, but when Disney Plus started, if it didn't start with that user interface that is perfectly done, you're screwed. So yep. talk about that user experience, that so, user interface. <clears throat> I think that the challenge with all user experience. Let's just keep it on screens for the moment. So user experience on screens. The challenge is. All these large corporations got sold some piece of technology, and then they have to work in whatever box the technology gives them, right? And that is the enemy of your user. Yep. Uh, and it is the enemy of the uh, person that has to you know, generate content and, and publish. But a natural they, evil, because building yeah. that completely from the ground yes. up, the time and investment, people don't understand yes. how much time and investment is to build a real user interface from the ground exactly. up. Exactly. Well, and, and you think about large organizations, right? Can, part of being recognized and being effective is being consistent. So there's absolutely aspects of how you manage a digital presence that these softwares and technologies are super useful for, but they don't always, they're often they're built by technology people, not user experience people. And so, you know, that's the thing. Um, You know, I think people kind of get on rinse and repeat and they focus on, we got to put the pictures and the words in the containers and they don't think, What's the person who doesn't know anything about this and hits this page or this screen? What do they think first? Oh, they can't read any of the type. Oh, the picture doesn't mean anything to them from where they are. You know, and so you really do. It it seems really simple. You talked about dumbing things down a minute ago. Just act like your mom is going to hit the page. Right. There's a lot of it. Right. Yeah. If, if we if we read a brief for three hours and then we designed it and we have to sit and explain to you for 30 minutes why it's working, it's not working, right? Uh, so, you know, I think a, a big part of 
being intuitive, it's that same thing. Thinking like the user and not thinking like you chopping things up and yeah. pushing them into boxes. Yeah, and I think that when you talk about content is king, this makes sense, right? Because if you have really good content, then you don't need a lot of flash. You don't need yes. a lot of substance. You don't need a lot of Correct. menus. The content is what drives it. And that's one real big difference. You don't have to do a lot of discovery on Disney+. Plus. Those right. are heritage brands that have been around forever. Just yep. put them up there, make it yep. easy to get to one, and make it easy to get from one to the next one. Yep. So it's easier. I'll tell you a funny story. I don't know if you knew this, but so Baseball Advanced Media is who owns all the rights for Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. They were bought by Disney and I all the interface that. for Hulu and Disney Plus was based on what they made for Major League Baseball. Mm. And now Major League Baseball doesn't have its own streaming service and their cable provider just went bankrupt. Oh my so gosh. it is a wicked thing. But yep. for example, the Atlanta Braves, if I was to put a social media post with the Braves marks, it's a different contract than I have with the Braves to put on radio. So I'd have to go through Baseball Advanced Media, who is owned by Disney. Well, it's, it's there, there's only seven corporations that own the whole world. Let's, that is, that's let's, true. let's be true. It all, it all rolls for sure. up to a few. The media, for sure. Well, again, those two flow together really, really, really well. And, you know, content and UI. So user, these are things that you might not be able to do alone. Okay? Yep. So let's talk about uh, a client Can versus I, I want to say one more thing Please about do. user experience. And so something that we end up talking about, because in, in our world it's not all screens, right? It's not all digital, right? The, especially if it's a long-term sales cycle or a complex sure. proposition. I mean, this, this office right here is user right. experience. Right. It, this exists Ex for Exactly. That's the point. And so... You know, I think that people think that UX is an exclusively interactive thing, and it and it isn't, right? You, you really have to think about how does a person engage with this? And you think about all these retail environments that have been redesigned because of sure. <clears throat> Apple. Let's just go Apple Store, right? Totally different than any other environment. And, you know, it, it's it you really it wakes you up when you come in. Sure. It's engaging. You can't keep your hands off that. Right. They, they opened up the. The, uh, but that's all based on data points. This, totally. They're not shooting in the dark here. They no, know just like no, no. Apple, when you open your iPhone, the way that Jobs did the packaging. Now, if you're a Chinese company on Amazon, you are packaging. You're putting money into packaging, which who would have ever right. thought that would happen? Right. That's user right. experience. Exactly. And so I, I, I just want to mention that that UX is not exclusively a digital domain, and it's something that more people should really think about. What are all our touch points with? For sure customers and audiences. For sure. Yep. And, you know, it's a good segue here, but one example comes to mind is proposals, RFPs, client-based yep. proposals. I mean, if you're going out with a terrible proposal, that better have some good substance in there. You better right. have world-breaking numbers. Otherwise, it really does matter. It's how it's organized. Did you start with the client's needs? The worst thing, I get a proposal and it's us, us, us. It's like, wait a second, yep. how about me? Because you're yep. pitching me. You want my money. What how, Did you learn anything from me and this? Yep. So um, I think that's great. So let's talk about clients versus agency um, because this is a good segue. So, mm -hmm. so who people who are managing your content and managing user experience, mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about the agencies involved and how that client-agency relationship works. Yeah, and, and it probably shouldn't say client versus agency. It sh that should be an ambush. I've seen it happen right? both ways. Client and agency. Um, you know, the thing that's so interesting over my career with client and agency relationships are uh, much of my career was in the high-tech space manufacturing, and so you go back 20, 30 years marketing is just you know a sales support sure. mechanism right it's very different than in cpg where research was there and cmos were respected people right but it, but in the b2b world it it wasn't really that way and i've seen a huge shift over my career with marketers now truly bringing data <clears throat> into the mix um being being understood to have value to be at the table and 
the other thing is, you know, I, I've seen this whole thing of there was a traditional agency. Um, there's an idea of what agencies are, right? Yeah. Madman, New York City, yeah. right? Yeah. All that. And agencies are very – there are so many different kinds yeah. of agencies. Yeah, too many if you ask me, but <clears throat> I, I, I agree with that, yeah. Exactly. And so the relationships have changed over all these years between um, – how you plug an agency in, how it's organized to help. When you plug it in, where when, you plug it what in. What the price point is. Right. Are to you taking a commission? And- is it up front? Is, are they billing you by hours? And I, and I think that's a great point. Um, we're going to hit that right after this break because I think that's a good starting point for the next one because, again, it defines how you built all these relationships and where all these points came from. So you're listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 1063, and we'll be right back. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words. It's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Nick Constantino here, and we are sitting with a guest host and now frequent, frequent contributor, Moira Vetter. Uh, and we are talking about, let's call it the 10 things she learned through her award-winning, lifetime achievement award-winning mm-hmm. career. Um, and we just ended on clients and agency, not verse mm-hmm. agency. Again, I've seen it both <laughs> ways. Um, but it's important to understand this relationship because where Moira fits in is different than a lot of the agencies that I deal with fit in. Um, you know, I have seen agencies now that exist to be uh, your analytics agency and your artificial intelligence agency. Yep. And I bet you they are just chat GPT AI agencies living right now being boiled up, which is ironic because they used to be the ones coming up with the creative. Now they're plugging into the machine and calling themselves yep. an AI agency, yep. which I find fascinating. But again, an agency fulfills an obligation to which you can't staff yourself, yep. or it's cheaper to do it, or it's so technical that yep. you can't find the people to do it. Um, so they serve a very strong purpose. So um, let's finish on that note. So, yep. so talk a little bit about just you know what you've seen gone right, what you've seen gone wrong, and how much you've seen it change, um, and some of the newer agencies, types of agencies you're dealing with. Yeah. So I think uh, you brought up a great point, which is, you know, chat GPT or or AI or whatever the latest, greatest technology, there will be agencies that form around that, right? Anytime there's an innovation, right? It's it's a new industry, new category, uh, and and people sort of introduce themselves. And there are some people that think of marketing um, as an experimentation, right? And so they want the newest, latest, greatest agencies because they're going to bring this experimentation in. but. The, the other part that you brought up, I think a good, strong relationship is about um, complementing what you have. And one of the things that I've seen over my career is there are there is not a model that is only with agency and only without. Like I, I've seen a lot of ebbs and flows, right? Yeah. People go through, we have all this headcount, we don't need an agency, but there's this one skill that we can't find anybody that's good at it and we're going to invest there. You, on the flip side of that, you have people that uh, have no resources at all, and they off, 
offload all of it. I, you know, I think the the biggest benefit that agencies bring is we can be on the outside looking in. We yeah. can be arm's length from it. it. That third party thing is is critical because you can get way too close to your subject matter and, and sure. sort of lose sight of the customer. And so, you know, I think most of the great relationships that I've had uh, over my career have been with people that were very forthcoming about when they needed you, where they needed you, how they needed you. And and if that changed, that was fine as right. long as you kind of had this relationship of trust. And so, you know, uh, there years ago there, there was a move for people to build in-house agencies. And a lot of companies have an agency on the inside. And it's, you know, a, a better price point or it's easier to engage them. And so they thought, oh, we have built an agency on the inside. We don't need external agencies anymore. Well, some of our best customers are the in-house right. agency at, at the company. So right. It's all about long-term relationships and partnerships. And, and I think it's so different for brands because one thing that's, that is consistent throughout, if you took the time throughout your business cycle to build a strong brand, all of these things are easier, yep. right? If you have a strong brand, it's much easier to have internal marketing because yep. that brand stands out, right? Yep. It, what's really hard to do is go from zero to 60, yep. start advertising because you, you expect immediate results and it just yep. does not work that way yep. because you may turn on a digital marketing funnel. Yep. You may get a ton of leads. Yep. That doesn't mean you've built a brand. It means you're capitalizing on bottom of the funnel activities. And Correct. those are very different things. So I think one of the things that I've come to learn, it, it is just a cycle of some businesses. We spent a long time pretending like strategy was the enemy. Like yeah. we need to be out there winging it. Like we're right. just going to figure it out. We're the best for clients. Yeah. And what I've come to realize is half of these clients don't have a strategy. Right. And once you start explaining your strategy, sometimes you hurt yourself more than you help yourself yeah. because you're not a mechanism to see their vision. You're starting to tell them what their vision should be. And sometimes that's yeah. a threat. Um, but at the same time, without that strategy, how are you going to retain customers? Yeah. How are you going to know life cycles if you're going that way? So I think that it brings up a good point um, as far as that trusting relationship, knowing KPIs, knowing what deliverables are. If you're going into any kind of relationship and you don't know what the inputs and outputs are, you're being set up to fail. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would. And I, you know, I think that you bring up a good point. Let's say you're a, a small business owner, right? And often you're like, well, we don't have enough leads, right? We're not, we're, we don't have enough traffic. Maybe we need to try one of these agencies. And the problem is going for the shiny object, right? Oh, this new, I, maybe we need a chat GPT strategy. No, maybe you need to be doing all the fundamentals you haven't been doing for the last 20 years. Yeah. So, you know, I and think- And planning to, for it to take a year for it to start kicking in. Correct. Otherwise, you're just going to be that flash in the pan. Like, you know, the worst one, the influencer marketing. Right. Great. Right. Yes, you will sell. Yep. You're good if you pay a Jenner- a yep. million dollars. You'll yep. sell that stuff. But yep. then when the next one gets sold, you're forgotten about. You've built nothing. Yep. And now all of a sudden you probably have false hopes. You've cash flowed the wrong way because well, you have. You don't have the equity. The The influencer has the equity. I mean, again, it's it's all these things where, you know, you really do have to be careful uh, about the strategies and form the right partnership and, and not around the flashy stuff. Make sure that there's some combination of substance and yes. new things. And a mix. Yep. A full funnel approach. So yep. that's a good thing. We got on here uh, digital marketing. So. Yep. Uh, my quick two cents on it, because mm -hmm. this is important. This is one of those ones where you go through a initial stage of this is a new thing. Everyone comes into the industry. Mm -hmm. Then you go through your consolidation. Then you go through your point where everyone is just trying to take advantage of the flashy object. Because there yep. are still thousands of clients just in Atlanta that have no digital marketing strategy. Yep. Okay. So what do you do? You, you go there. Now, all of a sudden, all the little guys are bought out. It's all big shops. There's no customer service whatsoever. They're applying the same principles to you as they are to 100 other people. Yep. Digital marketing works well in one of two scenarios. 
One is, again, if you have that brand built, mm-hmm. right? I have a client, long-term jeweler, Solomon mm-hmm. Brothers. Love the guy. But he, we had the ultimate conversation about, hey, I hired a digital agency. They're killing it for me. Mm-hmm. I go, do not be that dumb, please. Mm-hmm. They are killing it because you spent 30 years of you and your father's blood, sweat, and tears right. building a brand. The brand. They are yeah. capitalizing on what you've already succeeded. Yep. So if they are telling you that this digital marketing is what is capturing it, you are being lied to and you're right. smarter than that. Right. And I, look, it was hard words, but yep. luckily I have that kind of relationship where yeah, I could. Yeah. And it's that's the successful one. Or if your plan is to get a quick ROI and right. sell your business. Yeah. Because if that's the case, who cares what right. brand you're building? Yep. So in those two scenarios, I could see where a point where someone just does digital marketing and nothing yep. else even. Yep. But if you're talking about any sort of long-term business model, digital marketing is one mechanism of a bigger strategy. Yep. I would like to hear your thoughts on digital marketing because it is a big, bold number on here. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> you know, whether it's a funnel, you know, I know we were talking about there's the funnel, there's, um, you know, the chasm, there's a quadrant or a forward, but there's always some mechanism somebody's using to describe this ecosystem of stuff and messages and touch points and engagements. Um, and, you know, the important thing is, um, I think it's exactly what you said. You can't just have this one piece of the mix and, ooh, this one makes us more money, therefore we're only going to do that. Because, there, that's a there's a moment in time where people are engaging around that, but that's not every buyer. That's not everybody's awareness of your brand. Right. You know, not everybody is ready to buy every minute of every day. And so, to, for for me, and and this is not exclusive to B two B. Everybody ought to be thinking about what is it when people don't know about us, right? What what is the first thing they learn? Okay, and what's hard about that? And then how do we move them to the next step when they learn about what it is we do? When is it that that's actually important to them? Oh, you know, Solomon Brothers. Oh, only when they're about to get engaged now. All of a sudden, I care about jewelers, right? I'm a dude. I don't care about jewelry. Oh, but I'm getting engaged now. All of a sudden, I'm going to become but, an expert. But that top yep. of mind brand is yep. what makes you think because it's the same thing the old roofer yep. thing, right? Not everyone needs a new roof. No. But when you do need a new roof, you're going to call the guy who right. you remember to call yep. or you're going to Google it and take the first thing. But then the problem is you realize that all those reviews are now fake and they're put yep. in there. The placement is not based yep. on the SEO that it used to be the same way. Yep. So you are being, and, and conned is the wrong word because it's the mechanism that exists. Yep. But that that's one of the problems I always see is like there's always a technology that can make somebody look better the more money they spend. Exactly. The barriers to entry are super high monetarily, yep. but the tech to do this stuff, you pay an agency right away, they'll get you number one placement o- overnight, which is not how it was intended to be. No, and and there's too much focus to me on that sort of bottom of funnel conversion, right? Yeah, there, it, it, it'll work for a moment in time, but there's too many other jobs that you need your marketing doing, your advertising doing that are about brand or or about you know forget getting people to buy how about people that want to come work for you right for sure that's you know all place together yeah there there's all kinds right purpose driven what do we mean in the community do people know about us do people like us um you know all all of those things suggest that long term that you're talking about right playing the long game so you you can't just have yeah one of the things we did and you joked about uh funnel and chasm and conjuring Mm -hmm. So many of our competitors just had a sales funnel for digital marketing, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? Screw this! I'm going to make my own funnel. Yep. And what yep. I what I did was, so you always see top of funnel, and you yep. always see bottom of funnel. Yep. So I built my entire strategy for this company on the middle of the funnel. Yep. Okay. And one of the reasons is is that one, we've been here for 30 years. So yep. if anyone's going to drive consideration, yep. it is going to be a company that they trust that they listen to every day. Yep. So we have these talent endorsers. We have mm-hmm. these community events. Those are things that I think drive the consideration factor. Yep. If you are about to go and you know you're about to commit to buying something. Expensive, 
expensive. If you go and play in a golf tournament and see the sponsor coming back to the community, it yep. will influence you. Maybe it's what, hey, it's 10% more, but look, they give money back. They'll probably do a better job. Or you have somebody, a trusted person that's talking about it. So that middle of the funnel is was so often neglected yep. that by, and it wasn't just digital agencies, it was TV. TV, very hard to track where their consideration is. It's starting to get that top of funnel. You know, I yep. joke, you know, if you talk about Mercedes Benz, yeah, their digital advertising works. But you have been branded to buy a Mercedes since you were five years old. Right. It has been an aspirational purchase. They've been running commercials of just two good-looking people in a Mercedes driving through the most tropical locale. That is, so when eventually you're there to buy it, you remember those subliminal messaging. Yep. That seems to be forgotten. Everyone's well, just talking about that bottom of the funnel. You want to talk about the long game. Why do you think that there are uh, little cars for two-year-olds that have Mercedes brand now, right? You know, I... It used to just be, it a was car. some car. little kid, right? Now it's a Jeep, it's a whatever, it's video a Mercedes. Games, video games, they right. pay the licenses, but the right. cars eventually are just like, no, no, you right. put it in. I'm not going to, you don't right. have to pay that's me. A, that's a 30-year, 40-year investment in a payoff. Um, and, and and you really need to do those things. I, I also think you bring up a really great point about middle funnel, which is, you know, one of the things... Um, that I think about, I, I wrote down um, scientific advertising. as a, Now, this is not for people that are not marketers don't want to go read this book. But if you're interested in copywriting, you're interested in marketing, it, it's fascinating. Um, so Claude C. Hopkins wrote this book, and it is about how you move people. When was the book written? 1923. Okay, that's why I want to know. Because yeah, okay. that's a very, the, the concept of scientific advertising was probably a lot different than the 23 that 100%, right? So it is very much about uh, moving people over inertia, getting them to take action. It, More psychology, probably, yes, than technical. It's absolutely, the psychology of decision. If you know people that are interested in consumer insights yeah. and behavior, so sociology right? too, because yes. how the group acts together is important to marketing. Totally right. Love it. And so, so there's a lot uh, in there, and you know that's where I I do direct mail and direct response always gets this bad name, like ah, oh, you know, people peddling things, and but but the whole point of it is. We're not creating all these podcasts and all this content and all these blogs so people just read stuff. No, right? call to action. You there, want there them to, to go do to something, yeah. right? You know, and so the the whole point of of middle funnel should not be just chilling with people who aren't ready to buy. It's how do I get, get somebody to, to, the to go point. to the yeah. next point? Yeah. Yeah, I agree, and I think mm -hmm. good copywriters and copywriting is another thing that gets a bad word, but mm -hmm. everything is copywriting. Yes. Everything you do, your website, your blog, your post, your social media posts, it's copywriting because yep. the the enemy of copywriting is is long windedness. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and yep. also. I think people try to get too creative and a little yep. too whimsical, yep. and you forget the call to action. Well, uh, you want to talk about too creative. This is pet peeve of my whole career, right? The people that say, oh, I love it. It's so clever. If it's too clever, somebody's losing what you're talking about. And, you know, you think about all these uh, tools people have to filter and Photoshop and create all this stuff. If you're talking to the wrong person and you put the wrong four words with that picture, I'm glad that you just spent 10 hours creating that picture. But... You put two of the wrong words and nobody's going to get your message. That, that's not that much yeah. different than when we talk user experience. Somebody who's got the flashiest yeah. website in the world. I've met people yep. with the flashiest site in the world that have mm -hmm. no substance to their business. Yep. And I have people that will do $20 million siding companies that have yep. the worst, crappiest website you've ever yep. seen in your life. So, I, And I think that is one of the hardest things. As marketers, we are trained to look for that. We yep. see through the bullshit most right. of the times because we're the ones. Right. Right. Well, and that's something, you know, as a marketer that – I'll, you know, especially in B2B, people don't have the kind of, uh, you know, budgets that these CPG companies have. Your videos are not full motion picture productions. Right. You don't, if you know what you do 
and it's of value and you understand that value proposition and you're talking to the right customer, you don't need a sexy website and you probably don't need an agency. And I think that the same thing with video. When you see a social media video of someone making an endorsement for a product, mm -hmm. I trust them more when it looks like it's shot on their phone. Yep. Because when it's professionally produced and all right. this, are they endorsing it or are you, being, yeah. are you paying them? And right. again, I'm fine with paying people. We built a business yeah. on paying people to speak on behalf yeah. of something, but we will not pay someone to speak on behalf of something in which they don't use and operate. Correct. And, and to be honest with you, Google got in a whole bunch of trouble a couple of months ago because they paid iHeart to do endorsements across the country for a product that hadn't even come out yet. Ugh. And word got out and they both got sued because they were they were Oops. speaking on behalf of a product which was delayed in launch and instead of yeah. saying, well, let's wait till it gets in their hands, yeah. they were reading all this feature list off of a product they couldn't even physically touch. And everybody got sued because it is, again, you know, I knew the laws were there. I didn't know it would be such a public case, um, but those laws exist for a reason. I mean, Dick Clark, there's the, there are, the way he used to just take money and put it in his pocket for reading something on the news or on, the, on his show those things are there. Those well, laws exist for a reason. Some people don't know. I mean, there there is truth in advertising as an agency. There is a code of ethics that we have to adhere to. Yeah. If it ain't true, we're not supposed to be saying it. And, you know, we have to try to validate things, right? If something's Completely. totally implausible, you cannot put it out there. Now, that being said, uh, digital agencies will share any kind of craziness in the world. Yeah. Th so yeah. you are speaking on behalf of a brand and strategy agency that has been around for a long time that yeah. was fundamental principles from yes. agencies before it. Yes. Very similar to what we do with the radio. Yes. If you saw what my public charter was and the things that we are obligated to do in a public charter, yeah. um, have you seen the internet? You can put anything in the world yeah. up with clickbait. Yeah. It is so scandal ridden, yeah. but they get away with it. So I think it's a really good point and another reason why those old trusted brands are important. If you're trying to build a good long-term brand, speak with somebody who's going to tell you you can't do that right because if someone's saying yes to everything yeah you're going to be in trouble or you're going to rub people the wrong way yeah you don't want a yes man you never want a yes man you know you people need to hear what what is right to do and and even um you know you mentioned the um the amy awards we were at ken bernhardt was one of the speakers he was a, uh, a, a Georgia State professor for 40 years, and he sits on the board of those truth and advertising. When people lie in their advertising, somebody brings a charge, and it goes to, you know, basically a, uh, a mediation session with professionals, and, you know, people pay the price. I mean, there's penalties. There's issues. Yeah, and look, like anything, there's ways around those things. You yep. copyright the right words. It might not be true, but you copywritten it, so it's part of the brand, and yep. I'm not going to name where that comes from because it was a previous episode. But, but, uh, but, so let's 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 switch gears a little bit, mm -hmm. and because we're talking about the funnel, uh, let's talk about conversion. Let's mm -hmm. talk about KPIs, dreaded words, only because everything should be a key performance index if it's yep. driving to what you want, indicator for what you want. So like. It, you can't say KPI because every business's KPIs are different, yep. right? Some people, engagement's important. Like as a radio property, what's more important, having people listen or having people listen for longer? Is it the right yep. audience or this? So everyone, not every radio station is going to be the same. So yep. while they are key performance indicators, they should be for you. You should not let someone else tell you what your KPIs are. If an agency comes to you and says, here are the KPIs we're doing, wait a second. What? No, no, no. Yep. I tell you what the keys are. You don't tell yep. me what the keys are. Yep. So talk about conversion and talk about how people do it right and wrong and what a real conversion looks like and should look like. Yeah. So um, you're 100% right that it, doing it right is defining it in terms of the actual business performance you need, right? That what kind of engagement with what people, what's reasonable to expect from those people. You know, if you don't have a benchmark, create one and start from there. Um, you know, and, and get your own data. So nobody should come in and say, you should expect X. It's ridiculous, right? Because, you you know, every sales cycle is different. Every price point's different. Every, every everything's different. So 
you know, there are absolutely rules of thumb. You know, some of the basic rules of thumb are we don't want to pay 10 times more for the marketing or the advertising than it might get us. I mean, right. that's that that's right. a universal piece of math you should do. What's right. this going to cost us? But that being said, I'm going to throw this out there. If you had never marketed and you really want to turn on a funnel, there is a way on your initial upfront that you should be spending a lot more money if you're playing the long totally. game. To, cause, totally. Because maybe it's just kicking everything in at the same time. Yep. Maybe you realize, uh, the great example, if you advertise for five years mm-hmm. and you stop, Yep. You will never know that the advertising starts until about six, seven months in. Yep. But then at eight months, you're going to have to double your spend to get back that time that you made yep. up. So, again, there's always – but it, you're right. Like, let's not go in and just spend all this money expecting to get less back because no. you're being tricked. No, and I think that's that's a point that we make with clients is that there is an upfront investment, right? If you're, if you're launching something new to market or you're rebranding your company – it, it you don't just turn it on on day one and woohoo we're a new company. It takes time for people to understand that you know uh, for it to proliferate, for the leads to come in, for somebody to talk to the for le- everybody you know. on the board to have a say in what yeah. color your logo should no, be. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I've seen um, it. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's it's bad, and they shouldn't. You know, unless they're the the buying audience demographic, right? That's something we talk about a lot. You know, I don't care if you don't like it because you're not you're you you know you don't we're fit the after. profile of the of the buyer. But the other thing I will say on conversion, um, so we talked about doing it right, but the do it wrong is uh, one part of your organization thinks this is the KPI, so you structure a campaign, and the other part of the organization thinks something else is a KPI, and then you go to report on it, and then half the group thinks you're succeeding and half thinks you're failing because you don't understand the metrics, you don't understand what you should be expecting it to do yeah um and so we see that a lot and i you know i think um everybody should watch glenn gary glenn ross if you have not um but you know the whole always i finished my coffee i finished my coffee right right right. so but the you know always be closing uh is a thing where i think that most people or, or some people in an organization think that the kpi for everything it could be a new logo right the the kpi should be a closed deal, right? A new logo, a new color palette, something yeah. that is trying to refresh. That's not going to do that, right? It, it's got a different job that it needs to do. And so the, this whole idea of delivering sales qualified leads from engagement tactics that are not about closing sales. Probably because um, they're missing call to action. Let's yeah. call back to where we were. Right. If, you, you know, if you if if you want phone calls, you got to yep. put the phone number yep. in. Like, let's call or, it what it is. Or again, let's let's talk about a small business owner, right? So we we um, uh, had a client who was uh, promoting some things that target small business owners, and one of the things we talked about was these small business owners don't understand what you offer and how you buy it, and so. Uh, they're running ad campaigns, driving traffic to a website, and the page that they land on is get a quote now. Well, if people don't know what to buy or how to buy or even what it is, What's the, the quote point of the quote? Don't, go, don't go get quote now yeah. because first they need to understand. And so that is a perfect – like that is a very simplified example of some aspect of that's happening in your marketing right now. Somebody needs a lot more information to take some next step, and you're trying to get to the. But is Bob calling them? Have we have we got right. them on the line? Right? And, and, and sometimes the clients need a push. So like yeah. for us, one of the problems we deal with is they're like, "Well, this is going to be campaign. This is going to this campaign will be decided on leads." 
And it's like, well, wait a second. What if you get five leads and five of them convert? Wouldn't you rather that than 100 leads that five of them convert? So is it, is it on leads or is it on conversions? Because those are different things. Our audience will convert at a higher clip than you will find on the internet. Why are you chasing leads? Leads occupy company time. Yep. They look low close rate, especially from the internet. You're vetting out the craziness of some people's, what they're putting in there. So I think it's a good point of when you can push back a little and say, look, what is the goal? What is the KPI? It, we, might, we might be missing each other here. So uh, I think that's a good point to leave it on the break. You are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3, and we will be right back. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We're sitting here with Moira Vetter. We are talking through 10 things she's learned in her award-winning career. If you like the podcast and you're enjoying the content, uh, check us out, search for us. We got old episodes everywhere. Follow us on LinkedIn, engage with us. If you wanna be a guest, send us a note. We're wrapping up season two now and just the diversity of guests has been amazing. Um, we want this to be real world, applicable and diverse. So if you have an industry that you're in that you think people should hear about, let us know, drop us a line, follow Follow us, engage, um, and like and subscribe the podcast. So, Moira, we're finishing up on conversion. I think conversion is a great segue to salespeople because where would we be on this phone without salespeople? So, one of the things I always go goof around is my job is not to get your deals closed. My job is to get somebody to call you that is a qualified lead. You better have some closers that are answering those phone calls because you know what if they answer? So we have found the most companies that we do the best with are ones where the salespeople are also listeners yep. and understand how to talk brave. So, for example. Garage door company, big garage door company. His people come to games, we meet with them. I've said and trained them on the messaging. So when they go out to a sales call and they know it's a 6A the fan sales call, you wear a Braves hat. You talk right. Braves a little bit. Right. Think of how, do you think somebody is gonna care about a $300 difference delta in, in a thing if you're talking for them for half an hour about baseball and it's not all of a sudden a hard close? Right. So, where salespeople come into this is strategic. And we've talked about, Joanne mentioned it, you mentioned it, how important the role of the CMO interacting or the agency interacting with salespeople is. I don't think it can be understated. Yep. And I think we succeed almost every single time when those salespeople are involved in the process. Yep, completely. Um, so, you know, one of the things, uh, we, so we do a lot of professional development for all the people in our agency and, and particularly the account service people because they are the ones that, talk to the client, understand the, the marketing challenge. They're the ones that are lining up these interviews um, and, and making sure that the salespeople are present. And so one of the things that we recently did was we, we had a whole professional development session on sales and salespeople, sales methodologies, right? What What is it about the job of a sales guy that is so hard, right? Or sales gal, whatever. And um, so 
you know, one of our premises is if you don't know what goes into being a salesperson, you're not going to be a very effective marketer because you don't know what stops them. What right? What's hard to uh, overcome? Objections, right? oh, Objection handling. And, and let's let's be clear on one thing, okay? When ish hits the fan. They fire the marketers, not the salespeople. And Correct. the reason is, is because the salespeople have revenue directly tied to them and they are revenue Correct. creators. And it doesn't matter if you are the best marketing company in the world, yep. there is always a point as lo- where you are looked at a money spender, not a money maker. And Correct. I hate it. It's not yep. the right way. Yep. So one of the things, and again, I think the salespeople need the marketers, yep. but organizations do not thrive without salespeople. It will never change. When right. we have Chad GPT running every commercial, when we have yep. programmatic ads running on everything, you yep. still need salespeople. Yep. And it is an important thing to delineate. And I, this has come from me as running the sales department and yep. marketing is kind of my side passion. But I just think it's important to say because everyone thinks that their job is the most essential. But if the salespeople cannot sell and understand the messaging of what you're going out with, you have no real connection to the consumers who are buying your goods. Correct. And and that's where I think that, you know, some of the best campaigns of, of my whole career came from true collaborations between sales, engineering, and marketing, because we understood why things were as great as they were. We understood what the people heard on the front line from the customers and saw what the success looked like. Um, and then you bring that into marketing and it's something real. The, the other thing is, if you are if you have an organization where sales and marketing is cats and dogs and you're set up as enemies of one another um it's sad right shouldn't shouldn't exist anymore but you really have to understand that marketing is facilitating this long-term process and the marketing you know that sort of um the uh adoption curve should map to the sales process right you, yeah. somebody ought to know here's how buyers buy Here's how we sell because it actually aligns with how buyers buy. And here's how marketing works to help that buyer along that curve. And then when they come into our world and they're connecting with a salesperson, here's how marketing continues all the way along the, the yeah. curve. And so it's, it's, it is about alignment. So if you don't know what they do, you don't know what they know, you don't know what they need, you can't possibly align a marketing program with those salespeople. So. Um, you know, if, if you're in an organization, you're in sales and you've never talked to the marketing people, uh, go find out who the marketing people sure. are and say we need to change and, and, things. And not just the sales manager, because right. the sales manager's job is to be the conduit, right? And mm-hmm. I, that's what I found out. One of the hardest things in my job is being the facilitator between those departments and interpreting and passing it along. Okay, yep. that doesn't mean it's directly what's going on. So talk to the the ground salespeople and not your most tenured, because the most tenured are the most jaded. Grab yeah. the young stud, yeah. guy or girl that's out there the, in the streets and having the most success and say, what is it like out there for you? Because those mm-hmm. conversations absolutely need to happen because ultimately, as a marketer, you want more funds to go and market. And yep. if you have a good sales process, you will make more money for the company to go out and market. It's a, it's a simple numbers game. 100%. Um, so, yeah, and I, and I love this, I love that conversation. I just really think that with, if, of all the things that people have learned and all the marketers I talk to, so few talk about that. And that means yep. they're not in the ground level of what's going on. Yeah. This applies to every corporation there is. Yep. If IBM, if the IBM, their salespeople don't know the cloud services and how they're being marketed, how are they going after the right people? How do they yep. know what to speak about in the meetings? Yeah. And, so, and it's not all old school, like field sales guy riding around no. in a car for Everyone's five hours. Right? It's inside Everybody sales. selling it's, something. Sales support on a call where somebody comes in and then they get upsold and they go over or somebody that is a, you know, a lot of, you know, these days, a lot of it is an online demo and you've got somebody, you know, walking you through something. That's all sales, right? Those are the people connecting and and getting people to convert.
Yeah. So we got about five more minutes left. So let's do a quick blurb on B2B, and then I want to end with acronyms mm-hmm. because it is one of those funny ones that annoys everybody and it changes every day. So uh, so funny enough, uh, B2B is, there it a, is. A T, uh, whatever, a three-letter acronym, a T-L-A. Um, so uh, nobody cares about B2B but me. Uh, I've done B2B my whole career. Um, it is the redheaded stepchild. Uh, it still generates two-thirds of all economic in theory, everything we do is Engine. B2B. Every, everything we everything. do is B2B. I'm right. looking for advertisers who are businesses yeah. to spend with a business. So yeah. in theory, what I do is B2B, and I, I agree. It is it is underlooked, but I think that's changing also. Yeah, it, it is. And so, you know, what, what I have seen, again, over this sort of career arc is consumer marketers have come into B2B and woken it up. Data and data scientists have come into B2B, and although you may have a smaller sample size because you're dealing with more niche audiences, the more data you have, the more you can support the fact that, well, yeah, it's a, but it, it, there's only 10 of them, but it's a $3 million sale. So we are actually going to invest uh, $300,000 each, <laughs> you know, or whatever, whatever it is. Sure. Um, you, you know, you've got the, the data, but, um, you know, I think um, B2B people are business people right that's that's really at the end of the day that's that's the thing that i've enjoyed in my career um it's not just about clever headlines it's not just about flash you know and and you know a super bowl spot again all those super bowl spots they're fantastic there's a moment in time a lot of research went into them but there's a whole lot more marketing that goes on behind the scenes um and so that's that's what b2b is to me it's sort of this this long long haul but B2B would be nothing without acronyms. There you go. So, um, so, uh, so you let's know, segue in there. I think acronyms are, it, it, look, I think my two cents is it's, it's that jargon, right? Yep. You have to be equipped to know enough jargon. And the digital world has opened up so many eyes. Like, yep. you know, CPMs, CPCs, KPIs, yep. all those things exist for a reason. And if they're having to be put into an acronym, it's because they're being too long and being said too often yep. that they need to be there. So yep. I think while we can joke about acronyms, yep. know the lingo of the space in which you are. Yep. If you plan on going B2B with a customer, that you don't understand their lingo, you'll be dead in the water yep. upon a, uh, dead on arrival immediately because the, that, there's a reason that that verbiage and that nomenclature has made its way into their conversation. Yep. Yep. So I think that's what you're trying to mean here. I want to yep. see where you're going to go with it. But yep. um, talk, talk about your world because yep. you've seen acronyms change quite quite a bit. You've seen them change in their you know in, in structure and what some of them mean. Um, talk a little bit about acronyms, how people use them the wrong way, and how how they can affect uh, a marketing cycle. Yeah. So I want to talk about exclusion versus inclusionary, right? So, you know, people think that anytime jargon is, even the word jargon, right? It's a loaded word. It's, it's sort of a judgy word. Like you're using jargon, right? It sounds like something that's going to separate me from something else, right? Yeah. It's going to confuse me or, or I don't yeah. understand Well, that in the jargon. nature of confusing people, we are going to sign off the radio show right now. We're going to finish this on a podcast because Moyer just said confused. So you're listening to the Marketing Max- Mad Men on Extra 106.3. Tune over to the podcast to hear the rest of this conversation. Fantastic. Um, so, you know, the thing about three-letter acronyms is um, they, they can be very useful, right? They can be inclusive. And so, you know, when you think about having credibility, which is key in marketing, right, who's credible, uh, you need to be credible. And so understanding, uh, you know, the acronyms, the language, you know, not just of marketing, because marketing has yep. its own set of them, but all the different vertical markets, right? Every industry, you can have the same acronym and you look uh. at five different verticals and it means something different in each. Um, and I think that's something for young people. They're initially 
intimidated by all these acronyms and they think they're, that it means one thing and they should know what the one thing is. But I think, you know, if you're a curious person, you should be constantly figuring out what these terms mean yeah, to people. I, I agree. And a quick Google search will find all these things because I honestly like – I mean, there's a, there used to be three people in the C-suite. There's yep. a CFO, a CMO. You know, now there's 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 CIO. There's all these different C-suite yep. people. So even that in itself. So, uh, Maura, this has been awesome. Honestly, congrats again on the award. Congrats again on the career. Thank you for popping in. Uh, make sure to listen to the Marketing Madhouse also on this channel for lots more insights on B2B, uh, some technical stuff, some zany stuff, and some Moira stuff. You listen to the Marketing Mad Men. Thank you. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com.